Okay, let me ask you all, how many of you know this word, uh, this word, do little? Okay, I'm not talking about asking you to do little things, but I'm just saying that. Uh, how many of you heard about do little? Okay, or the word uh, do little rate. Have you heard about this word, do little rate? R-A-I-D? Okay, you do not know, maybe you are not into history. I'm into history, I love history, and I, I love war stories. Okay, do little, um, it's interesting because it's a, it happened during World War II. <clears throat> okay, it's a response from the US to the Japanese surprise attack at the Pearl Harbor. Japanese have a surprise attack at Pearl Harbor. There are many uh, battleships was, uh, was sunk. And then to create a response in order to boost the morale of the US uh, Army, as well as the US people, they make in less than six months, they plan for uh, a four other Japanese uh, cities. And uh, it is really a very daring uh, missions because it is, it is, uh, they have enough fuel because at that time, the, the plane was small and then they have to take off from the aircraft carrier. They don't have very long runway. So they only carry enough fuel to fly one way to Japan and then hopefully they survive and then they ended up and then crash land in, uh, in, in somewhere in China and then escape from China. That's what their plan was. Unfortunately, out of the many people, there was uh, seven, uh, eight of them were captured in China as they cr crash landed. One of them is Sergeant Disaza. This is Sergeant Disaza there, together with seven other airmen. They are captured by Japanese, and they remain in prison camp in China for forty months. That's uh, uh, that's more than three years. Systematically, they were tortured because the Japanese hate them. How dare you uh, bomb? our Tokyo, our capital. They were routines of beating, they starved them. And out of the 40 months, 34 months of them, they were kept in solitary confinement. In other words, you are all alone in the darkness. Three of them were executed right before their eyes. And then another died of starvation. Only four out of the eight prisoners survived. And one of them is Jacob de Saza. When Jacob de Saza, when he was, uh, captured he was an atc don't believe in god but he have this deep hatred for the japanese the hatred just consumed him mom after month he began to con con ponder why the japanese hated him and why he hated them and then this just consumed him then in the midst of all this pondering all this hatred he recalled what he have heard about christianity when he was young and then he did something very bold he went to the jailer and they asked, he asked the jailer, he said, can I have a Bible? He don't believe in God, but he just made a bold request. And then he was laughed off and then it turned ugly. He was beaten, but he never stopped asking. He keep on asking and asking and asking. He asked for how long, you know, one and a half years he asked for a Bible. And guess what? In May 1944, a guard actually flung him a Bible and said, you have three weeks. Three weeks, all you have, then I'll take it away. True to the words, his word, the guard took back the Bible after three weeks. But during that time, Disaza started to read the Bible. And guess what? The word of God convicted him. The word of God changed him. 
he became a Christian and then God transformed his life during the time from hatred into something that is different. This is what he said here. If you look there, um, God gave me grace to confess my sins to him. He forgave me all my sins and he saved me for Jesus' sake. Suddenly I discovered that God had given me new spiritual eyes. That when I look at the enemies, officers, guards who starved me and bitter my companions and me so cruelly, I found my bitter hatred for them began to change to loving pity. There's such a change there. And the change didn't stop there. Upon his release, he was released. Finally, all of them were released after the, the war. And then he went to the Bible college to study a degree. And then four years later, he returned back to Japan with his, beauty, with his new bride Florence as missionaries. He returned back there. And then this, he settled down at the city of Nagoya, the very city that his plane actually bombed. And he says, so much better to go back to conquer evil with the gospel of peace. Jacob and his wife ministered for 30 years in Japan. He planted many churches, 23 of them. Thousands of Japanese actually became Christians. And you guess what? Including two of his former prisoner, uh, prison guards who tortured him. Two of them, he led them to Christ. So the question before us today is, how can a person who do not believe in God, in prison, tortured cruelly, saw his friends die before them, filled with hatred, without hope, how can such a man be transformed? What caused the transformations? This is what we're going to learn today. We're going to look at the Bible about another big transformation that happened in the book of Acts chapter 9 that turned a person who was once a murderer to become a missionary. And this person has two names. His name Saul as well as Paul. So let me give you a brief introduction about this person. Apart from Jesus Christ, do you know this person, Paul, have made greater impact upon the world than any other people? Why? Because of his first his missionary journey, take him across the known world then, and he turned that world upside down. He mentored the first and second generation Christian leaders, and he wrote almost half of the New Testament. And if you look at the book of Acts, almost half of it is devoted to tell his story and his message. So this is a man that is great impact upon the whole world and upon my life. And also I believe upon your life as you read the New Testament. As I mentioned earlier, he has two names, Saul and Paul. Okay, The meaning of Saul means ask for. It's named after the first uh, Israel king. That is his Jewish name. Saul is his Jewish name. But he also has a Roman name. Roman name means Paul. Paul is a Roman name. And Paul means little, small. So he chose to use Paul probably to show his humility, most probably. And also because he's reaching out to the non-Jew. That is a Roman name. So this is this person here. Before he met Jesus Christ, Saul or Paul, he was a very different person. And this is the verse I want to read to you that summarizes what his life was like before he met Jesus Christ. He said this, even though I was once a blasphemer. Blasphemer is a person who say very nasty things, very uh, irrespect, uh, non-respectful words about God. That's called blasphemer. 
and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that is in Christ Jesus. So we see here, there's a pre-transformed soul. How was this described what of his life? First of all, he has zealousness, he has zeal, he is excited, but then his zeal was very misguided. Misguided kind of a zeal. This is what, let me read to you from Galatians chapter 1, verse 14. I advance in Judaism. Judaism is what the Old Testament talks about, about all the, about the various law to gain God's approval. I have advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age. For I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestor. He was zealous for the ancestor, but zealous in the wrong way. He was trying to impress both God as well as the people around him, the leaders, in order to make a name for himself. He thought that this is the way to gain approval from God or for the people. Lots of energy, but misguided because he did not know fully what is God's plan as well as fully about God. And today we see that also. We see that zealousness in ourselves or even in our friends in the internet world. You see many zealous keyboard warriors who are very zealous about things. And we see bullies on the internet and Japan. Now Pastor Joanne talks about those who cancel other people who disagree with them. We see many jealous uh, people who are zealous, but for the wrong cause, for the wrong way, in the wrong directions. Or maybe it's the right cause, but in the wrong way. And that's Paul also. That's him. Secondly, he also is a person that is uh, filled with legalism. Legalism means that this is the only way you follow everything by strictly by the law. And he was learned under, he's a, he's a Pharisee. Pharisee is a, a very religious Jewish uh, leaders, uh, 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 a Jewish group of leaders who are trained in the law to the best. To them, righteousness can only be attained by fulfilling all the Old Testament law. There is only justice, very little grace. But in spite of his great learning, actually Saul was spiritually blind. He did not know that what the Old Testament was teaching, that there is a coming Messiah and this Messiah is going to be the Savior. So when Jesus Christ came, he couldn't recognize Jesus and he couldn't understand how can the Messiah or the Savior could die on the cross. And he was depending on his own righteousness, his own ability to be good rather than the righteousness of God. And today we also see that in ourselves, on the people around us, everything had to go by book. You have very high expectation on themselves or very high expectation of other people. So there's no room for failure. There's no room for mercy. And if people, if people don't lose out to their expectations. And we see also people who are very quick to judge others. And then they put people down. Because you cannot meet my standard, no, you don't qualify. And they're very legalistic. And sometimes, worse still, they set different standards. They set their own standard very low, the standard of other people very high. And then they are trying to say that, hey, these people, they are not good enough. They are not good enough. And we see many self-righteous people around and they don't see the need for a savior and they resent it when people tell them hey you're wrong you're a sinner and they get offended and that's what paul is all about too misguided jealousness he was uh, 
legalistic. And next, he was also a persecutor. To them, to him, there was he was only have one strong uh, convictions, and the conviction is what the conviction that there is only one God. There is only one God. How can this man here claim to be God? He is a man. I people already saw him as a man, and he's he have a family. How can this man become God? And worse still. He came go around and telling people, if you believe in me, you can be right before God. And even worse, people say that this guy died and he rose again from the dead. This is terrible. This is a heretic. This is wrong teaching. This is this is totally wrong. Because he have hold such convictions that there's only one God, and this God is not a man. He feels that. These people are wrong and their power most probably come from Satan. Therefore, they deserve to be persecuted. They deserve uh, to be punished. So you have only one obsession. And what is the obsession? Persecute Christians. Let me read to you from um, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 verse 1 to 2. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threat against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue, a religious place in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, which is to Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So he was from Jerusalem. He's willing to go all the way to Damascus. How far is Damascus? It's like Singapore all the way to Malacca. By car, takes three hours. By walking, it might take that, but the people then might take uh, a few days, many days of walking and walking. But he was willing to go so far because Christianity already spread and he get very threatened. So he wanted to persecute them. He said, send me a letter, give me authority, let me go there and bring them down for you. So he was a misguided, zealousness, legalistic persecutor, and he was filled with violence. He was filled with violence. Why so violence? As I mentioned, he said that this guy here and his believers, they are blaspheming God. They are saying something very disrespectful of God. And this cannot happen. And he may say, hey, this only happened then. Today, we got people so violent. Let me read to you the news two days ago. This is in the news. Okay, sorry. Let me... This was just in the news here. Man shot dead for blasphemy in the Pakistan uh, courtroom. So, this is uh, what happened here. This man was accusing, was accused of blasphemy. He was in the court about to be charged, this guy just came in and then they just shot him to death because he felt like this guy is blaspheming against God. So that kind of zealousness is what we are talking about here. Paul, similar. And he was violent, as I mentioned. And next, he claimed to be the enemies of Christ. Enemy of Christ because he felt that Jesus Christ is the cult leader. His public enemy number one. As you look at this list here of the pre-transformed uh, Saul, 
maybe you you have a friend who are you think could be like that or this particular person maybe you know of people whether you read it on the internet or maybe someone far away maybe it could be you think of people like they could be the china president the xi jinping or the the old leader hitler and you look at these people and you ask yourself would you give him any hope of transformations any hope of redemptions maybe most of you will say no way no way these people can be changed and worse still some of you may be thinking no way i want him to be changed okay and it is a difficult thing but some of these people may be far what happened if it's come nearer what happened if your parents were dragged into prison you lost your home you got kicked out of your hdb flat you kicked out of the house and do you want such a person to be transformed or you rather see him in hell some of you may say i rather see him in hell but not jesus jesus didn't stop there jesus transformed saul he transformed saul and make him into his child as well as his servant so let's look at this transformed saul in acts chapter 9 uh, verse 15 to 16 is a good summary about his life after he been transformed the lord said to ananias go this man is my chosen instrument my chosen instrument which will carry my name before the gentiles which is the non-jews as well as their kings before the people of israel i will show him how much he must suffer for my name it's a summary about his name that god changed him and god changed him and make him into his missionary let's look again how he was changed instead of misguided zealousness right now he's filled with the right kind of zealousness he's now zealous for the gospel about jesus let me read to you in acts 20 verse 24 however i consider my life worth of nothing only worthy if i do what is one thing i finish the race and i complete the task of the lord that the lord jesus christ had given me what is the task the task of testifying to the gospel of grace he was only zealous for jesus and his message and one purpose in life the gospel of grace and next he began to embrace grace he realized that everything was about grace he did not choose god god is the one who reached out to him from judge and then he began to move from judgmental he legalistic he became a man of grace why because he have received grace and then he became a preacher instead of persecuting he began to talk to people about god and he became gentle and loving he became a spiritual father to many and spiritual mother to many he talked to them filled with grace no more violence but loving and he became a servant of god you see here on the left the pre transformed saul to the right the transform paul the change is tremendous the change is tremendous so the question is what caused the change what caused the transformations we go back again to x9 let me share with you three things that caused the transformation of paul number 1 the grace of god as i've shared earlier god's grace just surround and confronted paul Let me continue reading to Acts chapter nine, verse three to nine. 
But as he saw near Damascus, okay, he was traveling to Damascus, remember, like, like, like Malacca, on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the floor. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must, be, you must do. Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened, he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. He was blinded. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Three days he was blind, did not eat anything. You see, Paul was confronted by Jesus' presence and Jesus' light. Bam! Jesus confronted him. He learned two things that day about this light here. Number one, he learned that there's a, the grace of God, it is powerful. That light knocked him off. Knocked him off. He was on the floor. He fell off to the ground. It was a powerful light because why? It was a supernatural invading the natural. It flashed like lightning. Boom. And then the Lord, he began to acknowledge that Jesus, you are Lord. He called him Lord, Lord. He was ready to obey this. He recognized that this is somebody different. Lord, Lord. And then next, it was a loving grace. You see, the flesh, the light didn't flash through him and then kill him. No. The light flashed around him, surround him. Because why? Because of the loving grace. And the Lord Jesus Christ called him with a very endearing word. Saul, Saul. Twice. It is not a word of condemnation, but a loving word. He went to Damascus in full control. But when he arrived at Damascus, he lost control. He went to Damascus ready to arrest people. But when he entered Damascus, the Lord is the one who arrested him. And that day, he made a wonderful discovery. Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, he is truly alive. If he is alive, then Paul said, I must repent. I must change everything. My whole world changed everything about how I see Jesus and his message. He must repent. That is why he was shocked for three days. He couldn't eat. He must be pondering. His eyes were open. Yes, his physical eyes was blind, but his spiritual eyes was open. That's why he spent three days sought things out. He has been saved by the grace of God. Not by the law, not by his own effort, but by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once I heard this story, a story of a young employee. This young employee, he was secretly appropriating money, thousands of dollars from his company. And he was caught. And he was told to report to the office and a senior executive of the firm. So he walked up the stairs, ready to face the fire and heavy-hearted. When he arrived at the office, the senior executive looked at the young man and he began to question him the whole affair. And he asked him, is it true? Do you really steal away all those money? He said, yes, I've done it. Then the executive, his boss, surprisingly asked him these questions. 
if I were to keep you in the present capacity, can I trust you in the future? The young man brightened up. He was surprised, brightened up, and he said, Yes, sir, you surely can. I have learned my lesson. And the executive responded, I'm not going to press charges at you. You can continue in your present responsibility. And then the executive ended by saying this, I think you ought to know, however, that you are the second person in this company that has succumbed to temptation in stealing money and was shown mercy, leniency. I was the first one. What you have done, I did. The mercy you are receiving, I received. It is the grace of God that have kept us both. God's grace can keep us both. And this is the same grace that saved and transformed Paul. No one is beyond the reach of God's grace. The worst prisoner, the most vulgar friend, the most wicked, hated enemies of yours, all of them can be transformed. Whether is it you, you feel that, no, I have done terrible things. There's no way. Yes. If Paul, that murderer, the killer, who dragged people's mother, who dragged people's father to jail and killed them, he, Jesus can save him. He can save you or your friends or the people that you don't like or the hated enemy. As long as you or these people turn to God, there will always be a chance. God will always pursue them, give them a chance for them to respond. So don't give up. Don't give up in coming to God. And don't be too judgmental on other people thinking that no, they deserve help. The most wicked person who killed God's people, God still reach out to them. So my encouragement to you is that always come back. Always hope. Focus on God's grace and mercy for you as well as people around you. If you feel that you are full of guilt, too guilty to come before God, let me tell you, you have don't really understand and know God's mercy. His mercy is new every morning. If you are filled with hatred, unforgiveness, let me tell you also, you have yet to encounter this grace of God. Let the grace of God melt away your heart. Our guilt may, be, may not be as great as Saul or even the most evil people, but before God, we are equally sinful. We have hurt Him greatly. We have truly hurt Him greatly. And we deserve full punishment. So don't think too highly of yourself that no, I am okay. They are terrible. No. Or don't think too lowly of yourself that I'm terrible. No way God can reach out. God's grace can reach both. So that's the first thing that transformed him. The grace of God. That is the main thing. But the other side thing that also helped to transform him. Transform him. The second one, it is the people of God. You see, God chose to involve his people to grant his help to Saul. Why? Because God wants to show that we are community. We need one another. And God wants to involve the people around us to help to change us. He chose to use his people to bring about physical healing, to bring about spiritual healing. We need people. And look at the life of Paul. Who did God use? We continue back the story in Acts chapter 9. In Damascus, okay, at that time, Saul was blind. He was shocked, confronted by the Lord. He was blind. In Damascus, there was a disciple 
named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, and then you ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In the vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And Ananias went to the house, entered it, and he played his place, his placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you can see again and be filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell off of Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. He regained his strength. So we see here that God have used his people. And this guy called Ananias. Ananias have heard so much about Saul. And he knew that he's, he, he is trouble. Imagine today, if I were to go to your house, I kill your father, I kill your mother, I kill your siblings, I kill your friends because you are Christians. How do you feel towards me? Hatred, fearful, suspicious, anger. And these were the feelings that Ananias had towards Saul. He was hesitant, but he was willing to obey. And once convinced by the Lord, he lost no time, he went there. In fact, he even called him Brother Saul. Brother Saul. And that's those words might have brought a lot of joy to Saul himself. And Saul not only heard Ananias' voice because he was blind, Ananias actually placed his hand. He felt his touch of love. By God's power, his eyes were opened. He could see and then he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He baptized and he ate some food. So, for us today, how do you feel about people around you? Are you fearful of them? Are you indifferent? Are you unsatisfied? Are you angry with them? Are you weary of them? Are you filling with hatred? Perhaps God is calling you to reach out to others in love. You can be an Ananias to the people around you. You can be an Ananias. Ask yourself, God, is there anybody, both in church as well as in my school, People who could be blinded. The people that maybe God, you're asking me to be an Ananias, to reach out to them, to touch them. Maybe today you are. You say, no, no, no. I'm not an Ananias. Maybe I'm a Saul. I'm lonely. I'm alone. Nobody in this church care about me. Nobody reach out to me. Let me encourage you. No. God has prepared an Ananias for you. Open your eyes. Look out. Open your heart. Open your handphone. It could be people reaching out to you. Be prepared for that. 
Open your heart to the grace of God. Open your heart to the people of God. And finally, open your heart to the visions of God. God sees Paul not for who he is then. He sees beyond that. He has a vision of what Paul can be and Paul can do. And let me read to you. Later on, when Paul was sharing his testimony, there were more things that happened. There was more conversations that happened between God, uh, between Jesus and as well as Paul then. He said this. Jesus said to him, Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant, as a witness to all that you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles, the non-Jews. I'm sending you you to them to open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light from the power of satan to god that they might receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by me by faith in me the persecutor has become the preacher the legalistic pharisee has become the great proclaimer of the grace of god up till now Saul was like a wild animal fighting against God, but God is going to change him. God see a vision of him. God is going to transform him. God is going to make him a vessel of honor. God is going to, you're going to be my tool to preach my good news. God doesn't look at the present, but he looks at the future. He looks at the potential. He looks at Saul with hope. And he's going to turn into a Paul. God has vision for him. And see, this is what happened to him. You look at the left, the pre-transform, and you look at the right, the transform. Because of the visions that God here. And guess what? Paul embraced these visions, embraced these missions that God had given to him. And he changed the whole world until today, 2,000 years. We are still re- write, reading his story. We are still write, reading about what he wrote. And his word, he wrote the very word of God that still changed our lives. In the same way, God have a vision for you. Every one of you here. Don't belittle yourself. Don't look down on yourself. God have great vision for you. If this guy here is so terrible, God can change him. He can change you. Because God is still in the process of changing lives. God changed me. I wouldn't imagine today I can do what I'm doing right now. Like I was this crazy, happy-go-lucky, just enjoying life person when I first came to Singapore enter into poly knowing nothing but just have fun but God changed me God transformed me in the same way God can transform you so don't look down on yourself and don't look down on people around you because God have a vision for them what you can be and what you can do to glorify your name to bless many God say he can do it so, we all can be transformed by God. And anybody can be transformed by God. But the real lasting change takes place when we open our hearts to God. We open our hearts to the grace of God. We open our hearts to the people of God who believe in us, who can reach out to us, and we can be the people of God to reach out to other people. And we need to see ourselves as God sees us, not as a problem, but people with great potential. 
Some of you may say, Pastor Chiming, you are saying this is so far away. Can he still do it today? Let me share with you a story. A story of another transformation. He may not be as jealous, as, as bad as Saul, but he lived a life that truly in needs of God's mercy. This is Thomas Leo. I met him two years ago when I read his stories in Straits Time. I invited him to share his stories to the BB boys about how God transformed his life. And the Straits Time features his story. So today, right now, I'm going to just let him share his story, a short one, with you all. Can you hear? During my childhood, my dad divorced with my mom, and um, the relationship with my uh, family wasn't close during my um, youngest days. And I was wondering how come life so unfair, and how come I only you know. My family wasn't that complete. Also, that kind of longing to have really to have a loving father and mother. I joined gang when I was around set two, like 14 years old. So I think the reason why I joined gang was to have that sense of belonging, Because since so. Family, I couldn't get along well with my family and these other group of friends that I can rely on and yeah, they can really understand me from you know, selling private um, games, um, VCD, to like, you know, uh, import cigarettes and do long shot runner and to sell drugs. My focus is to you know, earn money, to be independent and not to rely on my family. I was arrested when I was 20 years old, drug trafficking. So my sentence was uh, five and a half years imprisonment with a 10 stroke of canes. Uh, initially, I, I was quite um, scared uh, because that was my first time in prison. After that, when I you know come to know my newfound faith, I really started to think back on you know, what I did in the past. How wicked I am, you know, to you know, sell drugs to others and destroy so many people's life. Then I started to you know repent and to hope that I won't do this kind of thing again now, so that I can pursue something that really can help people. In life. Sometimes we will have um, challenges. Sometimes also life can be unfair. But I think the most important thing is to don't give up. I believe that everyone has the potential to, to shine. It's just a matter of time whether they find this potential in them. As long as they don't give up in life, 
definitely they can know be a blessing to the people. No matter how much failure they have in the past, but as long they believe in themselves and they wanting to do something good, I believe they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I met, I met with Thomas as he shared the stories from, with the BB boys. Yes, he's the only child, parents divorced, he left with his dad and he's also a former convict and then his dad remarried so he couldn't get along with his uh, stepmother uh, and his own mother had ceased contact with him when he was 12 years old and that affected him. And as he said just now, to gain the sense of belonging, he joined gangs. He get into troubles. But in the prison, something happened. The grace of God shines upon him. He joined the chapel service. He joined the Bible study conducted by the prison fellowship ministry. The people of God reached out to him. The grace of God reached out to him. And then he received Christ. He was discipled by God's people. He was given hope by God's vision as he shared towards the end. He wanted to be a blessing. And because of his conversion, conversions in prison, he began to have this hope. He began to have this hope. And while in prison, he completed his N level. He completed his O level. And when he was released, he wanted to find a job because he felt that's the vision of God for him to be a blessing other people. So he pursued a diploma at Nanyang Poly. And later on, um, um, later on, he, 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 he continued on uh, to, to study and catch a degree, get a degree. And he, today, he's working as a social worker at Fayette Community Service. Finish all his studies and he's a full-fledged social worker. And when he was studying, he, he was afraid people would look down on him. But thank God, his cosmate didn't judge him, befriended him as he shared the story with them. So there is hope. There is grace. There is power. We encourage you today to look to God's grace and vision for you, as well as to the people around you. Look out for God's people to help you be open and be God's people to the souls around you, the untransformed, pre-transformed soul, so that you can reach out to them too. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you today for this story, story of your supernatural transformations. No human being can do it. It is you. And because of what you have done on the cross and how your light, powerful and yet loving grace light can shine on us. And I pray that today help us, no matter how bad we are, or no matter how judgmental we are, we will be transformed by your light. And I make us, Father, to be a people, to be aware about people around us, so that God, we can reach out to them. We can be an Ananias to them. And we too, Father, be open to receive help from other people. And Father, I pray that today you'll give us hope because you see us not as problem, but as people of potential. And therefore, Father, I pray that you'll help us. Yes, the road still have to travel. It could be difficult, but yet it is worth it. And I thank you for this. Thank you that God, you're going to change us. 
And before I end here today, if you feel that you are like the soul or your life is like farmers, reach out to Jesus. Or today, if you feel that there are people around you who are like them, who are like this farmers around, ask God to use you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.